Hi, and welcome to Drawing Inspiration. I am your host, Mike Hendley. Episode 53, Draw Your World with Samantha Dion Baker. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. I hope you're doing okay. It's, uh, I have to say, it's wonderful this time of year, seeing all the leaves coming out on the trees and the crabapple blossoms. It's just, I love this time of year. Life is waking up, the birds are uh, nesting, and uh, it's just, it's an incredible time of year. And with that, I'm inspired to create more art. So I've been doing a fair bit, but I'll talk first about a couple of things. Uh, I'll cover some of the art I've done very quickly, and then we'll get right into this interview. The first thing I want to say is that this podcast is supported by users through Patreon. So if you want to become a supporter of the podcast, there is a link in the show notes for you to do that. And this podcast wouldn't exist without these patrons. So I do appreciate everything that they do in supporting me and this podcast and getting these stories out and inspiring and motivating others. So I do appreciate them so much to the point that I'm actually sending out a little gift to them in the coming week. Uh, they don't know this. They will hear this first on the podcast, but I'm sending them out a little something. I do this every so often, and I haven't done it in a little while, so I'm going to be sending them out a little package, a little art uh, care package to them. If you want to um, help support the show, I do appreciate it. All the money I raise goes into the hosting and the fees associated with kind of putting this show on every two weeks. So uh, thank you in advance if you decide to do that. And if you don't, that's fine as well. Uh, continue listening, subscribe to the podcast, share it with others. Those are other ways that you can help as well without uh, any money leaving your pocket. So I do appreciate all that. So this is coming up to newsletter time. So I do a newsletter once a month. So it'll be coming up on the 21st or 22nd. I've been doing it typically on the Saturday. I'm going to try and move it to the Friday. And so I do this once a month. I have a series of kind of columns or areas that I talk about. I'm going to shorten it down a little bit. I think I was a bit long in the last one, so I'm going to bring it down in length. And I tend to focus on kind of the story behind a piece that I'm working on. I talk about um, a tool that I use. I may talk about shows I'm watching or books I'm reading that I may that others may find interesting. So I tend to share that in the newsletter as well. And you can find the previous editions of the newsletter in the link in the show notes if you decide you want to take a look before subscribing. At this point, I'm only sending out the newsletter. I'm not going to bombard you with a bunch of other things. So uh, don't worry about that. I will be releasing some new prints uh, in this newsletter. So I will be talking about those. And there will be a discount code in the newsletter that will apply to anything in my store. So if you have had an interest in my work, uh, there will be a discount code coming out in that newsletter that, as I say, will be either Friday or Saturday of this week if you're listening uh, on the week of the 17th. So I'd love to have you as a follower. So just a few pieces. I've been playing a lot with colored pencil. I got some uh, toned blue Strathmore paper. It's a 300 GSM, so it's quite a heavy paper, and it's got an interesting texture on it. It's kind of like a mix between a hot and a cold press, more towards a hot press, I guess. But there's some interesting fibers in there that give it a dif different color uh, beyond just kind of the blue tint that you see. So it's been kind of fun. I've been playing with these uh, wonderful Faber-Castell polychromos pencils. And so I've done a Eastern Bluebird, a Mountain Bluebird, and a Morel Mushroom. And so I'll link to all of these in the show notes. The Morel Mushroom is interesting because I, I found that on my yard, um, in my lawn, of all places. And I didn't know what a morel was. I've heard the name before. I had no clue. And so I did some searching online. I spoke to some people who are more educated in this area than me. And they're like, yeah, that's a morel. And they're really good. 
<laughs> and expensive. So I found a few of them and I harvested them, brought them in. I fried them up with some butter and garlic powder and salt and pepper. And oh my, they taste so good. I would not recommend doing this without speaking to an expert because mushrooms are poisonous and uncooked morels are poisonous. So please be careful. But these are morels. They're not fake morels, which do exist as well. And so I would um, recommend checking this out. So one of the uh, drawings I did was based off of this morel that I had uh, found in the lawn. So I'm hopeful that you'll, uh, you'll check that out and take a look. It was, it was fun to draw that. It was nice to play with colored pencils again. And I've done uh, a couple of graphite pieces. I'm always falling back to graphite. It's, a bit, it's my comfort tool. So I did a, a quick sketch of a saw-wet owl. Uh, they are coming out now. We're going to be hearing them soon in our neighborhood. It's always wonderful to hear these owls. And I've also got a profile picture of a snapping turtle that I'm working on too. And uh, it's partway through. I'll post a link to the um, the work in progress. I love posting the work in progress because I think people want to see this kind of stuff and understand uh, what is the process, how do you build things out. So I love to share that. So if you want to see more of that, follow me on Instagram, and I do share that work as I, I'm going through and building up these pieces, whether it's colored pencil or graphite or um, in uh, Procreate. I'll be doing some digital pieces, but I'll be talking about uh, Procreate and digital work in my next episode. So with that being said, that's it for updates this week. I'm sure that you're going to enjoy this interview. This was a lot of fun to do and uh, such a brilliant artist, uh, such a wonderful person. And uh, please stay right to the end because this this really gets good. And uh, I think you're going to feel inspired, motivated, and enabled by some of the stuff that she's going to share with you. So uh, let's check out this interview. I first discovered my guest through Skillshare, then connected to her through another artist about her new book. It just so happens that this book fell exactly into what I am exploring with my art. My guest started in graphic design and illustration with clients such as Gloria Steinem, The Highland Hotel, and many others. She is now a full-time illustrator, artist, and author. Her regular sketchbook practice has resulted in several filled books at her home in Brooklyn, New York, but has also inspired many others to document their day and now their world through pencil, ink, paint. To talk about her creative journey, it is my pleasure to welcome to the Drawing Inspiration podcast, Samantha Dion Baker. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Hi, Samantha. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I'm so glad to have you on. I'm so excited about your past and your present and your future and this book that's coming out. And I want to get to all of this, but I wanted to hear from you about how you started in maybe not what you're doing most recently, but uh, I always like to find out kind of the background as to, you know, as a kid, were you a creative? Is this something that you've always wanted to do or how did it start for you? I was born into it. I really was. <laughs> so my mother is an artist. She's now doing something different than she did when I was growing up, but she was always creating. My sister is sort of a prodigy at in drawing and, and painting. We grew up in our grandmother's art studio. She was a sculptor and she had pretty good, a very good career. She had a, her piece was in the Whitney Biennial one year. She has a, a bunch of public commissions in Philadelphia. I'm from Philadelphia. And my grandfather was a painter. He actually made a living restoring paintings mm. and doing some illustration. But he was a painter and so super beautifully talented. 
and it was just all around me. So in a way, it was more of a decision to stay in the arts and to actually think, sort of consider, is this what I actually want to do or is it just what I do because we all do this here and everybody's creating around me? Um, is there a possibility of me doing something else? Which is a very different conversation than most kids have with themselves or with their, you know, sort of, well, you know, the arts is considered a hobby and it's not really accepted right. in the family. But in my family, it was, do I want to do something else maybe? <laughs> um, and it turns out it took a while for me to really accept and come to terms with the fact that I was following in everyone's footsteps and genuinely loved it myself for myself. And there was a place for me, even though I didn't never, I never thought I was good enough. And I compared and especially to my older sister. And um, so it took a while. And then I went into design because I didn't think I was, I should paint and draw. That's just sort of what everyone else in the family did. I should sort of find my own way. So that sort of answers your question, but it leads into what I'm doing now. But there's, that's the beginning of the story. Interesting. So was there pr any pressure for you to stay in the arts? There was never any pressure. I mean, my father was a lawyer. He's retired now. And he actually thought I was very good at arguing. So he thought I should get a law degree and that maybe I should do something a little more practical. But there was never a lack of support if, if any of us wanted to, to be creative and do something in the arts. I'm wondering, did you receive any pressure from school or classmates to, like, were you the artist and you felt you had to perform at a different level? Was that something that happened? Yeah, and, and I did sort of follow my sister in that way. And then we both ended up going to the same college, which was weird. We both went to Cooper Union in New York City, which is a very good school and hard to get into. She got in. Obviously, first she's older, and then I got in her little annoying sister who was sort of following along in her footsteps. And there was a lot of pressure in school in a way, but it wasn't a burden. It didn't. It. It. it I was always proud. I was always proud to be the the artsy one. I was. I've been the artsy one, the one who drew and did literally my entire life. So it's it's just who I am. When you were drawing through high school and college, uh, we all had kind of, we were inspired by something. And what was it for you? Was it, was it comics? Was it shows? Was it fine art? Like, what was it that you were um, wanting to put down on paper? Well, that's a good question. I think once I, once I left high school and came to New York City, I think the comparison to all of my schoolmates and the sort of egos in the art world, it was a little bit too much for me because I've always been super humble and not feeling like not quite good enough. And so I, I actually was inspired by designers. I, I really wanted to find my own path as, as a designer. And Cooper Union has an, an amazing design program. I didn't follow it exactly. And there were some legends who taught when I was there, as legendary as Milton Glaser. And I but I didn't take his class. I do regret that. I followed my own, my own sort of path. And the good and bad thing about Cooper Union is you don't have to declare a major. You just can do whatever you want the whole four years, which is good because you can float around and try everything and figure out what you want to do, but then bad because you've sort of left with like some people didn't have, you know, a clear path, which was kind of me. 
although I got a great job in Toronto, in Canada. It was my first job out of college. They were open to me doing things by hand, experimenting. They were the ones who taught me Adobe Illustrator, and I learned Photoshop uh, at that first job. But then I also did a lot of hand handwriting on book covers, and and I, you know, did did as many projects by hand as I could. I've always tried to be as off the computer as I could while being a designer. So yeah, and then when I mean, it really was. It was mostly design that was influencing me at that time, and people who did work by hand, like. James Victory, who's still working today, who's wonderful. And um, at Letterpress, I loved Letterpress. I loved the sort of old and new, sort of modernizing this old technique. We had a we had a running Letterpress press <laughs> at Cooper Union that I would, you know, play around with and solve projects with. One of my final projects when I was graduating was a um, an installation where you sort of it was it was a book that you read as you walked through. So it was like a um, three-dimensional, large-scale experience. And it was a book that we, we and a few other um, classmates sort of wrote and, and um, installed. And it was, it was awesome. So we did a lot of it by hand. We did, they were silk screens. They were hand, hand done, hand painted, hand constructed pages and different sort of installations that you would sort of walk through and read as you walk through the gallery. Um, so I don't know. I always kind of did my own thing. Interesting. And you went into graphic design. Did you do that because you were interested in graphic design or did you go into that because you weren't interested in the possible challenges in being a fine artist? I would say the latter. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the latter for sure. I wanted a job. I was sort of thought it was more practical and it was, I mean, the, in the, the art world in New York city is it's hard. You know, I, 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 I didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with that. You really need to communicate and have tons of confidence in order to make it in the art world in New York city, I think. And communication is key and, confidence is key. And I don't think I had enough. I sort of did and didn't design, you know, I just wanted to sort of just do my work and then have a paycheck. So nice. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. It's good that you're honest about that because I think when we get into how you transition, I think it's, it's great for people to hear where you came from professionally. Cause exactly. I've yeah. spoken to so many artists who've done the same thing. They start off a gra- graphic designer for whatever reason. And then they mm-hmm. circle back at some point to just, um, doing their yeah. art, doing their stuff. So how long were you a graphic designer and what kind of stuff were you doing um, as a graphic designer? Yeah, I love talking about it because it sort of feels like nobody knows and it's a whole world ago, you know, it's just ages ago, like another lifetime. And it was in a way. So I worked, I had my this job in Toronto, which I think was about three years. I'm very loyal and I loved the two designers I worked with and we're still friends today. Then I came to New York and I got a job really young because they sort of set set me up and I was it like I said I didn't have confidence but I did. So I went into this job and I said I can do this and it was beyond my level. I think I was 26 and it was an art director job. And I got it. 
And I remember the woman who hired me was a little reluctant because she, I look, I've always looked young. Um, and I really, I, I'm five feet tall and I just, you know, there's sort of confidence, lack of confidence sort of thing going on with me. I, I think she was a little, I, I, I have a feeling that she was a little bit like, we're going to take a chance on, wasn't like a, you know, this is a hundred percent our person. It was, I think she's our person. Let's try this out. <laughs> and I, you know, it was great. I worked there for a really long time and it was mostly in the art world, which was great for me. And the reason why I wanted the job so badly was because I had this connection to the art world and I loved the fact, and I brought in a ton of clients because I had so many connections in the art world through my friends. And some of the clients that I had I, when I when I finally left this this company and went out on my own, I kept them because I had brought them in and I worked with them for years. So I was doing catalogs, old school catalogs that you know really hardly ever get printed anymore for exhibitions. Um, invitations used to go out in the mail. You know, it would be also sent by email, but they used to be old school. You would get an invitation to an opening in the mail, and some of them were really gorgeous and you know, mostly just showing a piece of the artwork, but really beautiful, minimal design that I really love doing. So completely different than what I do now. Like you just, <laughs> if I showed you, you would be like, I was a diff totally different creator, different person. I made, I made a stack. I have a stack of, of art catalogs that I designed and invitations that I designed from, from museums to small galleries um, and everything in between. Um, and then a lot of other work. And then I did had my own business with a partner and we, we did events, sort of the art world's invitations led to, a, um, our company was called Celandine, which is a flower. And in the language of flowers, it means um, joys to come. So Celandine was about eight years of my, I think, oh my gosh, something like that. We did lots of invitations, lots of weddings, lots of also music. We did we we did work for Dior. We did work with the the Whitney, the Whitney young young collectors at the Whitney. Um, we did work with the St. Regis Hotel. We had great clients. We we did pretty well. So I had my kids, and that sets us up for the second Sam, <laughs> <laughs> the second life of Sam. Right. I mean, that's always the case where there's that big transition in some external input, right? That uh, drives you in a different direction. And you don't realize you're on this different road until you're miles down it. It's like, wait yeah. a second, now I got to steer to a different destination. So what was... I mean, you can talk about it as much as you'd like, but what was that transition in, in I mean, I've got two daughters, they're teenagers, so I, I, I understand the parenting challenges. Uh, and I worked from home when my wife went back to work with our, with our oldest um, and our second one as well. So she was in a better position to do that than I was. So I, wanted, I want to find out, like, how does, how does that steer you off and, and how did you get back on track to where you are now? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's really, it is pretty simple. I, I had Ian, my older son, and he was literally on our laps the first few years of his life. My business partner, Kim and I, Celandine, he was, you know, I was nursing him. I remember we did the stationary show one year at the Javits Center and 
babysitter brought him so I could nurse him. I had to like pump in the back. I mean, it was just, it was just so much stress and so hard to, and I didn't know if I was happy doing what I was doing. You know, I just was doing it. I loved and still do my business partner where she's like a sister to me and figuring out that we were going to sort of dissolve Celandine was heartbreaking, but she was about to have her second and I was having, it, it, it just, it just, we were doing sort of work like a machine just cause we still wanted to have our feet wet and be working. But anyway, things just sort of, I, I think I'll speak for myself. I just, I wanted to work, but I just wasn't sure if that was what I wanted to be doing. So I kept a few clients. I was still sort of here and there working, but I realized somebody had said it to me and I realized it was, you know, your kids at at a certain age, they remember whether or not you were around. They don't really remember if you're around when they're tiny babies, they don't remember. And so when Ian was you know, four or five and Theo, Theo was um, one or two. I don't even know. I can't, I don't know how old they were, but something like that. I think I, I maybe they were a little older. I decided that I was going to be around more. And, um, you know, my husband was making enough money. We could pay for our mortgage and we could deal with, we, we had moved to Brooklyn and um, we just, it, it was a decision we made together. And I didn't want to have a babysitter or anything. So that, and then I knew that I would sort of go back to work and I was just going to keep my feet wet. And then anyway, so I had these two kids. I decided we were going to travel. I always wanted to be them, have a family who traveled, show my kids more of the world. I didn't see any anywhere other than I think Canada or something. I think we went to Canada once and that was it until I graduated college. I never traveled. And I might, which is weird because my parents are huge travelers, but for whatever reason, it just didn't happen. So, you know, I, I depend on my husband too much. I'm going to take my kids to Paris and London. I'm going to find my way around and we're going to stay there for a month. We did like a VRBO or Airbnb. And this was, um, gosh, it was like eight years ago now or something. And so, um, you know, I've just got a sketchbook out. I got, you know, I just, because I wrote different things and I was forgetting things. I was, you know, I don't have the best memory. I would ask my son, my like five, six year old, be like, who, who's, what's so-and-so's mother's name? You know, I just don't, I have, I have a, I don't have the best memory. So I just started writing things and then started doodling. Then one thing led to another in those books. And I was sharing some of the drawings. I started an Instagram and then I, we did another summer and I think the next summer was in Scandinavia. And I drew a page a day illustrating our days together. I had come up with this sort of, if things were sort of gelling as far as like an idea in my sketchbook. And I was realizing that I was doing it in a sort of unique way, recording our life in, in a unique way. And it might have just been the format, but it was partly my design background because people were commenting on the composition. And even before I could even, I was drawing that well, it was, it was my compositions and arrangements of things and sort of how I presented it that was attractive to people. And um, I was playing with collage and just, you know, I just said, like, I'm going to make a piece of art that is about our day every day. 
And so it was 20, it was 28 days in Scandinavia. I got back, I self-published it into a little book and it was, it sold out. Everybody loved it. I was starting to get a following, like a pretty, you know, a pretty good following. And then after I did three of these books, um, a literary agent contacted me and said, you know, I think you need to like write this story. I think you need to write a book. And so that's how it happened. That's it. <laughs> that's awesome. I want to highlight the fact that you talk about the story and in, in transitioning to, to being a mother and being a partner and, and moving through that. I'm so glad you shared that story because I think a lot of those conversations just remain behind closed doors, you know, and, and there are challenges across all industries in women having children and being impacted with their careers. And I'm just really glad yeah. that you shared that because, um, and I'm glad the way it turned out because, you know, it's, it's amazing having kids. I mean, they completely transform your life, but they transform your personal, your professional life as well. Yeah, and, they do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad yeah. that you, uh, that you shared that. Uh, I can completely empathize with the, you know, trying to manage everything and, and getting things done. And you're right about the whole um, understanding, you know, at, at what age will they remember what you're doing and mm -hmm. uh, being there for them and, and helping them grow. And it's, uh, my, my kids are teenagers now, but it, it does seem like a lifetime ago when they were three, four, five years old. So I really thank you for, for sharing that. I think that's really valuable for people to understand what's involved, especially yeah, when you're working yeah. for yourself, right? A hundred percent. And I, I don't think in our family with, with my, in our little unit, my, with my husband and I, I, it really isn't a male female thing. I just happened to be the female. So it just sort of happened, but it was, we both had this sort of non-linear, like sort of roundabout way of getting to what we're doing and my husband is incredibly talented and he's in this sort of little niche of a space within the architecture and design and interior design world and it just sort of if the tables were turned and he wanted to sort of start making furniture which is something he's passionate about and you know building and making things and he went, and I was making enough money for him to go do that. It could have gone that way mm -hmm. um, when we had our kids. You know, it just, so I love that about, about us and as a, us as a family and him. And it's not just, you know, it just, it just sort of winds up looking like that sort of, right? you know, that root of, you know, or that, it, it, that situation of like, I'm the mom. And so I don't need to work as much, you know. It really wasn't that way with us. I've right. always worked. I've always worked. And who has brings in more money is is not. It's not like a tit for tat kind of thing or a. It, it just. It's and I think that that is what makes a really good partnership. Right. There's no sort of male female role. It's just what supporting each other and loving each other and being proud of each other, you know, so, and then really wanting to be good parents and be there for our boys, you know, um, we both, we both really wanted one of us to be around. Yeah. I, I think that in, in for, for me, it was the opposite where I was the one staying home because it was just better for my wife to be going back to yeah. work than me. And I think it is fantastic having that relationship, relationship and that decision, but, and it's so good to, 
back to my point that you were able to uh, take this huge thing of, of having children and being able to move through that and share your journey. Because I, I, as I say, I, it's, it, it is challenging. It will impact you. It will impact your partner in the decisions being made, especially when you have your own business, because there's nobody, you know, as a matter of getting, you know, mat leave and all this kind of stuff, that all becomes a little bit more complicated. Um, yep. Or, you know, and, you know, in the U.S. versus Canada versus other parts of the world, um, it's either better supported or not nearly as well supported. Um, that varies quite a bit. And especially when you're chasing art, right? A lot of people thinking, come on, it's art. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Juggling all of this and going through all of this, what the greatest gift and the greatest lesson to not only myself, but to my kids is no matter what you do, if you really put in the effort and time, even if it seems so random, and this was super random. I mean, I was just drawing little doodles in a sketchbook. You know, I, I never thought that anything would be life-changing about it. I did it for us. I did it for them. I was really just sort of, you know, thought, well, let, let me draw all the little things we did while we were in Scandinavia. Then they can flip through this someday. How fun is that? You know, just the thing, you know, just the hobby. And um, to show them that something beautiful and you can, you just never know. You just never know. And if you're passionate and you put your hours in and you practice, no matter how many times people say, how do I draw this? What do I do? How do I do that? How do I, you know, it's honestly like slowing down and practicing. <laughs> it's, it's, you got to put in the work, you know, right. there are some prodigies and they put, they just put their pen down and bloop, bloop. It's perfect, <laughs> you know, but it's, that's super rare. Just like the, the big greatest lesson that I could have ever taught my kids is, sort of what just naturally happened with my work and my career. That's awesome. You answered my next question. <laughs> oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, I was going to go with uh, what do you think uh, is the more, most important lesson from that journey you had up to that point? So that's uh, that's cool. Yeah, there there you go. I... And so you get to the point where you publish these books and then somebody comes to you and says, you know, we want to take it to the next level with all of this. Uh, yeah. Did you, how did you take that and did you ever look back to think, I miss the graphic design? Or did you think, nah, this is, I'm going in, um, I'm, I'm 100% uh, dedicated into, into doing this now? Yeah, no, I didn't think that. I actually thought, you know, I thought, because I th there's so much design that goes into all of this. And to be able to, you know, work, this has led to a lot of different freelance jobs. You know, I'm now a, quote, illustrator, you know, so I, I, I do it in my own way and sometimes I fail and because I'm not, I didn't really learn how, how to be an illustrator really. It's I'm self-taught pretty much a hundred percent as far as, an, as far as illustration. And even if I did want to go into illustration at Cooper union, they don't even really teach it. It's a fine art school. They don't. So I, I, the design is really, is really part of who I am. So, and it's part of how I could even write my second book, the one that's coming out. So no, I don't, I never had really regrets about that. I think where I am now is where is just, and it's been a bunch of years that because it just sort of happened and because I, so I don't, it wasn't like a clear decision of what kind of illustrator I wanted to be. 
I might, I might be going down a different path here and answering another question, but I'm not sure that I am still like, I'm still not in the place where I'm super confident of sort of who I am as a, as an illustrator or artist. So I'm still figuring that out, but I kind of, at the same time, I kind of like that I'm a little bit of an oddball, you know, I'm kind of do my own thing. Uh, I think I always have. So I don't know if that will, if I'll ever fit clearly into a box, you know? I mean, I'm part designer, illustrator, artist, author. Like when people ask what I do, I, I there's I can li- <laughs> I list off all these things because I don't really, I never ever thought I would write. I mean, that was the biggest thing when the literary yeah. agent came to me and said, "You have to write this story." I thought, "Well, I don't write. I don't write. You know, I draw everything. The reason I draw all the time is because I don't want to write it out. You know, I enjoy drawing, and that like somebody else could write it for me." I thought that would be <laughs> how it would work. And then the editor who I work with, who's incredible, I'm so lucky. She was like, no, no, you could, you got this. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. And I did it. So, and then the second book was twice as many words. And so what the first book was called? Draw Your Day. Okay. First book is Draw Your Day. It's been out since 2018. It's still selling. It has legs. It's something that isn't trendy. That's never going to go out of style. So I'm hoping it stays out there. People use it to teach classes with. Art art teachers use it as reference. It's just about noticing things in your everyday and having a, a daily practice of you know drawing the things around you, which is the greatest inspiration is what's right in front of you. And you know the little little things that you see each day can be can be drawn. So then I, I, the book did well enough that I got another book deal. So the next book is Draw Your World. And it's a really great second book to the first book. The first book, there was some feedback from a lot of people like, this is great, but I can't do this. How do I do this? You know, how do I draw? Like this, this isn't really helpful. There were some, there were some bad reviews on Amazon <laughs> that said like, well, this is nice, you know, but I can't do this. So so this the second book is still going to frustrate some people maybe because I'm not showing you step by step this is how you draw a dog. That's another book. That's not me. I'm not going to do that. Because everybody needs to draw their dog their own way. I don't believe in it. I mean, I believe in it. It's great for people who need that. I I'm not putting it down, but it's not it's not what I want to do. So the beginning of the book is has technical lessons. So it, I am teaching people sort of in an overall brief way, like it, it's hard to, to teach perspective on four pages or five pages, but I do, I do, I try. <laughs> so, you know, we have perspective, we have proportions, light and shadow, symmetry and balance, all, all of these things that, um, and then composition. So there's a lot, there's a lot in the, in the beginning of the book that people I think wanted from me. So it's there. And then the second half of the book is just deeper and sort of more about inspiration and what to draw, you know, sort of ideas of how to see and look for things. So, And so this Draw Your World comes out? June 22nd. June 22nd. But as every author would tell you, pre-ordering makes a big difference. <laughs> yes, so, please. <laughs> <laughs> so if this, uh, yeah, it's it's really important uh, with the rankings and everything else to pre-order the book. So if this, uh, and and you can wait till we're done the podcast because we're going to talk a lot more about it. But um, uh, pre-ordering is important, and I'll provide uh, links in the show notes for that. So I just wanted to highlight that bit as well. 
So yes, yes. And and there's a really great fun pre-order giveaway that I'm doing with a whole bunch of art supply brands that I work with. And I have a supplement chapter because I wrote the book before COVID. So there's a little bit of um uh, a little bit that I'm going to add for people who pre-order that's sort of about finding inspiration when you're stuck inside. Well, that's cool. So uh, nice. yeah. And sorry, the grand prizes of a workshop with me for 10 people. So it's, yeah. That's There's, awesome. If any, you know, people want that, <laughs> it's fun for me. So, so yeah, if you pre-order, there's, there's incentive to pre-order because you get more, which is always fun. It's better than buying a lottery ticket. <laughs> <laughs> and were you, were you delayed at, with this book in publishing it or anything with COVID? Uh, was this planned? No, no, it's been, it's, it's kind of saved me during COVID. It really did. It was, it gave me purpose. It gave me something to focus on. There were times where we had deadlines and things sort of happened during COVID where I thought, gosh, how did that even happen? Because my mind was so scattered from everything going on in the world that I and with the elections in the U S and everything going on, like all compounded in my brain. At some points I was like, did I, how did I even do, did I even do that? Did I even meet that deadline? <laughs> you know, but it came together and it looks really pretty and I'm happy, but I'm happy with it. So yeah, I saw the cover. It's, it's brilliant. I had a, another artist author on and she made a point that, you know, a lot of these artists, you know, books, these instruction books don't have great covers, but uh, yours looks awesome. Yeah. Very enticing. Yeah. yeah. I, I really wanted this cover to be something I was proud of. And I'm not that I don't like Draw Your Days cover. I do, but I really love this one. I, I like this one more. <laughs> but they go together. Kind of nice. So who would you say your target market is for this a new book, Draw Your World? Who do you think is going to benefit? I think everyone. I mean, I'm, I'm sending it to all, you know, seasoned artists, people who, are, who have a practice. And I, I do think that they might find some inspiration in it. Some of the technical lessons they would might skip over because they're already good with it, but um, it's really a book for everyone. It's from for any level for any any artist. I really hope that it's for everyone because it's just a matter of seeing things differently. That's what I really hope people walk away with it is just having a little bit of inspiration, whether they're inspired by the whole thing or just a chapter. I, I think I'm going to have to buy it. Because um, I think the fact that you cover uh, compositions can be really helpful for me. And it would just reinforce what I've been trying to do. Because I've had a few urban sketchers on, and I love being able to go out in the field and just draw something, ink it, throw some watercolor down. And then I get mad because I hate watercolor. <laughs> so I think, oh. <laughs> I think it'll be fun to, to uh, take a look at your perspective on this because um, more, more knowledge, more info is helpful. And uh, I've not seen a book like this before, so I'm really anxious to see, uh, see what it's going to be like. I don't think there's another book like it out there. I really, I don't. Um, I know there, I pretty much know there isn't. It's a unique book, I think. And I, I hope that people respond to that in a good way. One of the things I really believe in is really pushing and pulling sort of what you're good at and what you're not good at. Finding a balance of, you know, challenge and comfort. You know, having having that mix so that your art making practice is not filled with frustration 
only. It's freeing and pleasurable and just a place you go to find some peace. If you're always challenging yourself and you're never satisfied, it's not fun. So you have to have some of both because it's always good to get to the next level and challenge yourself, but you need to, you need to sort of have, have both um, in your art making practice so that you really hold on to some of the joy. It should be joyful. And we're so hard on ourselves, you know? So, you know, the last chapter after all the stuff that I've sort of taught and maybe is intimidating to people and, you know, the, some of the samples, just like in Draw Your Day, are practiced because I've been drawing my whole life. The end is about collage and color and abstract work, because I think that that is so important. So there's a little bit of everything in this book. And I hope that that story is like sort of if people read it from beginning to end, they get that story and they get to the end and they're like, yes, you know, all that said you need to have fun, you know? So, so if I were to ask you to tell me, Mike, you have to get this book because I'm really proud of this section. Do you have one? Wow. I, that's a good question. Um, I'm already sold on the book. And, it, and <laughs> so. I really, and now I have to say, this is a really good question because it's making me realize that I'm proud of a lot of it. I'm really happy. There's a travel section. There's a whole, a whole section on travel, which sort of makes sense within the book, even though it sounds like it might sort of is random, but within the book, I think it works well. And it's a, you know, pretty thorough chapter on travel. I love the past, present and future section, because that really talks about what's sort of within and how we can come into a moment in, in our life or have this little magical moment out on the street. And it reminds us of something from the past. And then we sort of want to get to work and like, it gives an, us an idea for the future. So it's like one moment can sort of talk to our past, our present, and our future all at once. I'm proud of a lot of it. That's a good question. And it makes me feel good. That's awesome. <laughs> That's, good. That's good. Yeah. Can I ask you a question from left field? Yep. What does your sister think of the book? Well, she hasn't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to tell me she loves it. I mean, she's my big sister. That's awesome. Uh, she's thanked in it. She's thanked in both books, and she's got a big thank you in there. So I hope she likes it. <laughs> I'm sure she will. That's what sisters and, and brothers are for, right? It's, uh, yeah, that's awesome. If you get along well, and we do. So, yeah. <laughs> Is there anything you would have done differently in the book? Not not just in, you know, one thing, I was going to ask you this question, but I'm not sure. Like, having done graphic design for so long, and then, which some of it would have, revolved around, you know, covers and branding and all this kind of stuff. But then having to also <laughs> draw everything and write everything. Yeah. Um, is there anything you would do differently next time? Um, maybe I would have taken a little bit more time to, to do some, I, don't know, I was going to say more drawings that nobody's seen, but there are a lot in there that nobody's seen. I share a lot on Instagram. So there were a few times where I was like, ah, I shouldn't have shared that yet. But people don't even know. They won't know. They won't remember. I don't know. I I think that I checked off my boxes here. I don't know. I feel like you have to ask me that in a few months because I've been taking time to just sort of appreciate. I really hope, I wish, I don't want to 
point out a flaw, but there's a there's an error in the resources which they'll fix for the second print run. But that bothers me. That's just like a <laughs> annoying thing. There's some <laughs> somebody just we we thought like proofreading, proofreading, and then somehow the resources like there was a there's a glaring mistake. We won't tell anyone. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I know. You know, it kind of, in a way, it's good to point it out because it, mm-hmm. for people who do notice it, don't worry, it's going to get fixed. It has like the wrong, the brand of a pen. It's like, it's just, it's a stupid mistake. But anyway, I don't know if there was, a, if there was anything I would do differently. If, and again, I'm going off on a tangent here again, but I'm doing Draw Your Day for Kids and they're both coming out this year. And that one I start, we'll start promoting sort of after Draw Your World comes out. Mm-hmm. So Draw Your Day for Kids comes out in December and we're re- reusing a bunch of illustrations because it's a totally different audience. So again, it's like if, if I just sat down, I mean, but there's only so many hours in the day and it's amazing how much I did, but you always think you could have done more, you know? And right. so sometimes some, I was looking at the proofs of Draw Your Day for Kids and for people who get it, who've ar- who already have Draw Your Day, they'll recognize some of the illustrations. So that would be the only thing. That's good. Yeah. So I want to so I want to talk about the tools that you use because we have artists listening and they're going to be like, what is she using to create all this? And you posted and your Instagram is for a feast for the eyes. So for the listener, check out Samantha's Instagram because it is just awesome. And one of the oh, things that you. will blow you away is this pile of sketchbooks <laughs> that you've used yeah. over the years. Because uh, I think, how many years is it? Seven or eight years of sketchbook? Yeah. But let's talk about the tools that you use, and you cover this in your Skillshare, but I just want to talk about for this point in time now, is it still the same as to, you know, do you start with pencil? Do you go directly to ink? And what do you use for ink? And the other thing I want you to talk to as well is the paper, because mm. you do t- yeah. you did talk, I think, somewhere that you actually create your own books now versus buying them. So maybe if you can mm-hmm. just talk about, uh, maybe let's talk about the paper first, mm-hmm. and okay. uh, then you can talk about the tools that you use. Well, yeah, for years I worked on a moleskin, in a moleskin sketchbook that, that, and the paper is really not great. It's it's nice for what it is. I'm not putting down moleskin. Mm-hmm. And they make beautiful sketch watercolor sketchbooks and some higher-end sketchbooks. But I was using one that I just bought on a whim, and I like the size of it. It was square. It is square. The, but the paper isn't meant. I started randomly one day, I started experimenting with with paint. I think it was around 2016 or something. Mm-hmm. And um, it, the paint like just sort of sat on top of it and pilled and like, it just wasn't meant, but I made it work. I just, I didn't care. I just kept work because some of the pages would, it would paint beautifully. Then you, so there was a lot of inconsistencies in the paper, but then one day I, I have a few um, art supply brands that I had featured in draw your day. And one is Karen Dosh, which is, um, a company that I, uh, art supplies that I've been using since I was a little girl. I remember having like neo color pastels when I was little and in my grandmother's studio. And I could be making that up, but I know the logo is the old art deco logo is like from childhood. So I drew a bunch of their supplies in draw your day. And then the U S rep became a good friend. He came to my studio and he was like, why your work is worthy and sort of, I didn't have this feeling that it was worthy. It was just my sketchbook. It was just a journal, you know, and I never thought it would have this sort of bigger life. And so I didn't care. 
And then he said, you know, your work is worthy of better paper. And once I started working on better paper, I was like, what have I been doing? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so I started getting better paper, but then I was really attached to that sketchbook. And so then I had this potential partnership with a friend who's in Philadelphia, the uh, woman, Margot Kent, who has a company called Peg and All, and they make sketchbooks. And she and I worked together with uh, making one that used Strathmore drawing paper. And we sourced all this watercolor paper, but it just got too expensive. And she was, if she were going to make them with the watercolor paper, they were going to be like a ridiculously expensive sketchbook. So we just, it didn't, it didn't work out. I've talked to a whole bunch of people. So the problem is just doesn't exist. So after all this time, I realized it doesn't exist. My perfect sketchbook is not out there. It's like a unicorn and I'm just going to make them. So I'm talking, I have to make a prototype for someone else. Another company is thinking they're going to maybe make it. So maybe there'll be a day where my perfect sketchbook exists and that other people, and so other people can buy it. But, you know, I want to tell artists, it is really gratifying and beautiful to sort of make something completely. And so I mean, obviously, I'm not like making the paper. I buy Arches watercolor paper from Blick, but I'm putting it together and that feels really good. And my mother is like a master bookbinder. I took bookbinding in college. We would, we, so it's not new to me. I do it like I, I'm impatient. I do it pretty messily. I mean, it's, it, there's not perfect, my sketchbooks at all, but I make them pretty nicely and, you know, down to the point to the like detail of like curving the corners and sanding them so that they have that nice curved corner. And so um, that's my that's my paper story. I like hot press because I use ink, so I really want to be able to you know make those smooth lines. And that's yeah, that's that's my paper story. Um, it's been it's been a journey journey slash uh, sorry paper slash sketchbook journey. It's been one. <laughs> and it's not over. We'll see what happens. So can I ask you before you talk about your your tools, have you yeah. ever documented anywhere how you bind and build your sketchbooks? Um, I've done a few lives. So on my okay. Instagram TV, there's a few videos. I don't do it from beginning to end. There's one where I talk about the materials. I show how I fold and cut the paper. Um, on on Peg and All's website, they have some amazing bookbinding tutorials on their Instagram TV. So if people want something more refined and, you know, they want, they want to make their own, you can look at those. I also make little tiny books and I shared the process of making a little tiny one on my Instagram TV. And I'm thinking that I'll do another live when I make this new, my next sketchbook. Um, Cause I have to make two of them. One is for this prototype and then one is for me. So, so if people, people can look out for that. It'll okay. People really want to know how I make it. It's really not that hard. You just have to have the materials. So let's talk pencils and ink and all that lovely stuff. Yeah. So I'm a huge pencil lover. <laughs> I love pencil. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with the pencil. I am envious of artists who just like just get to work right in ink and paint. And I and I and I can. I I could. Mm -hmm. I just because design and planning a page and composition is so much a part of what I do. I never even consider not starting with a pencil. 
So even if my drawings, usually they are, they're very loose and sometimes I don't even follow the lines. Knowing where something is on the page is, it's just pretty, like it can only sort of be done in a pencil first for me. And so, and then sometimes I get really into it because I just love drawing with graphite and I love pushing and pulling down, you know, what happens when you push here and there and the, you know, the beautiful lines people make with a pencil that really can't be achieved with anything else. So I, I'm a, I love pencil, but two B three B pencil is my, that's my go-to and my, my favorite. And I, um, I, you know, love pencils so much that I'm very good friends with Caroline Weaver here in New York, who has a whole pencil store. Now it's evolved into a stationary store, but she started just selling pencils and we like instantly became friends. And um, I'm, I work with Blackwing and I did like a whole uh, poster. They're special volume pencil. They have a print of every single one up until I think it was like mid 2020 when we put it out. I illustrated them all. So there's a poster you can get. And oh, beautiful. I love, I love a pencil. I just, yep. If if you were to give me only one thing, it would be my sketchbook, a big eraser, and a pen, and I'd be happy. So uh, you've always stuck with wooden pencils. Have you ever ventured into the 0.3, 2 millimeter clutch pencils? It's always been wooden. Uh, yeah, I'm old school. I I just I like a good regular old pencil, and I like them. I love the idea of them getting smaller and really using them and sharp and having and you know I love sharpening them down. <laughs> I don't know. We have sharpeners all over. I have my favorite. Which is? Sharpener. Yeah. I Actually, so it's like a $20 or $18 Muji pencil sharpener Okay. from Muji. My my mother's friend, who's a botanical illustrator, told told me about it. My mother got it for me, and I've been telling people ever since, it's like the best pencil sharpener. Um, it gets like a really long point, and it just is so, so satisfying. And yeah, so pencil and then pen, I've, I've always... I've always used a Copic multi-liner probably for, oh my gosh, so almost since the beginning of this daily drawing practice. And, but, and then also Micron. Just, you know, a pen should be waterproof. I really don't understand why so many of them aren't. It's frustrating to find like a really good waterproof pen is hard. And so Micron Copic multi-liner is my favorite. I love the way the ink sort of just sits on top of the paper doesn't really seep in. I love it. And then, um, but I've been trying not to use ink so much or not to sometimes, sometimes hardly at all. And paint is a big question. So I don't know if you want me to go there, but. I think hearing the the whole bit, because that's the part I struggle with. I love graphite. Like I'm the same way. Like if you just give me one tool, it's a pencil. Um, And ink, I play with the microns. Uh, but I've also been playing a lot with uh, fountain pens and food a uh, tips because mm-hmm. that's kind mm-hmm. of fun to play with. Yeah. But I have Daniel Smith watercolors. I'm still struggling a bit. I'm trying to get over watercolor having its own mind. <laughs> yep. So yeah. maybe I would love to hear what your thoughts are about the watercolor you use and the brushes. I don't know if it's a brush or two or what you're doing with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I don't have one brand of watercolor, but I do have a preference of sort of the opacity and the sort of, I don't like the paints to be too granular, but I kind of like it when there's a little bit of texture in there sometimes. And so I have a few, there's a few um, handmade watercolor brands that I love. 
and I've been using them for a really long time. And, and in a way, it's sort of like, if it's not broke, why fix it? So I just stick with what I love. And, I, and I'm friends with both of the, and I'm actually doing a partnership or a collaboration when Draw Your World comes out of a special palette with one of the brands. I'm super excited about it. We're working on it right now. And so that, they're called Greenleaf and Blueberry. Okay. And Jess Greenleaf, who mixes all these paints, but, you know, when she has a staff now, they do, their their paints are just so beautiful. And some of them are almost gouache-like. They're really, really rich and opaque and vibrant. And then the other is Case for Making out of San Francisco. I've taught some workshops there, and I really love their paints. And then I, you know, I just have sort of core, some core watercolor. You know, when I go to Blick and I play around and I just look for colors that I want. Now I have so many that I, I rarely shop for them. And, and then my first collab with Art Toolkit, which is a tiny little pocket palette, which is what, what, what I'm working on now. It's the three of us partnering. And um, that was all Daniel Smith. Those are, and they're beautiful. Uh, but aside from like the sort of ooh and ah and like, you know, the collecting of materials and it's really just sort of what you do with them. Right. Right. So it always comes down to that. And so watercolor is sort of funny because it's, it's like the first watercolor, sorry, the first art supply that you get as a kid, like people have this misconception, like, well, it's just watercolor. They're so accessible. Everybody, you know, they're in every like kid's classroom. You just paint with them, but they're really hard. It's really hard. It's so hard. And I think that even when you're working with like acrylic gouache or gouache, I don't know why people don't sort of more, I think it's easier. Watercolor is hard. I don't know. I did get from Derwent, an art supply company sent me randomly. They reached out to me. A woman said, I love your work. Can I send you a paint set? So I said, oh, oh, sure. You know, something made me say yes. I usually say no because I don't like too much stuff. And I don't want to be obligated to make a post or whatever. Right. So, and especially if people aren't offering to pay me, I don't, I just don't want the free stuff. It's too much. You know, I don't want it. <laughs> I don't know. I, too much stuff stresses me out. So I was like, something, you know, I said, sure. And then she sent it to me. And when I opened it, I thought, well, this is just another watercolor set. But then I got sort of, I started, I, I played with them and they're now some of my favorite paints to paint with and their ink that is um, people know Derwent for their ink tense pencils, mostly they're like watercolor pencils, but once you activate them and put water on, then they dry, they dry permanently. Whereas other watercolor pencils, like you could still sort of rewet them. So the paints are that way. So they're kind of like acrylic wash. So once they're down, they're down and you have to work fast with them. But so they're a little bit of a mix between watercolor and gouache and I'm really enjoying them. And sometimes I layer them with gouache and I use them in conjunction with my watercolors. So I think they're fun and they're not expensive. If people want to play with that. It's another, another opportunity to, to see what the, what, you know, what happens when, because some of the frustration, some of what happens with watercolors, it gets muddy. You have to wait a while for it to dry. And if it's already wet, you know, the beautiful things can happen, but then awful, you know, frustrating things can happen. But what's great about these ink tense paints is they just dry really quickly and flat. It's really nice. So hmm. we have to check those um, out as well. I will include a link. Yeah. <laughs> if you've been listening, yeah, it's like, yes, yeah. I want to try them. I'll put a link in the show notes. 
And then my favorite go-to is the Caran d'Ache gouache palette because it's nice to work with gouache when it's in a palette. You don't have to squeeze them out. I have, I have my go-tos. I have a lot. And so it's, it's all water-based stuff that I can take with me because I like to just be able to throw stuff in my bag. Um, you take it everywhere? Yeah, everywhere I go. I'm, I always have my sketchbook with me. I can't go anywhere without it. Occasionally, if we go out to dinner, I'm like, okay, I know I'm not going to pull it out. Now I will take it. <laughs> right. But it's with me 24-7, even like right next to my bed. Because if I think of something at night, I, I'll, uh, you know, I never, I'm never, I'm never without it. Do you have a ritual around starting a new book? Because so many of us treat them as being precious. Do you have any kind of ritual that, or you've done so many, it's probably not so much anymore. No, but. no, yeah, I just go. I just start, I just want to the next. It's not a precious thing for me anymore. And that's another reason why this perfect sketchbook is, this is such a hard thing is because I don't want it to be precious. I don't want it to have a fancy, beautiful hardcover and be heavy and be perfect. I want to be able to throw it in my bag and just go with it. And if it gets like a little bit of a stain on it from my finger or my coffee or whatever, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about it. You know, maybe just throw one of your sketches on the first page with a coffee stain. That way people feel like, yeah. you know what, <laughs> I'll do the second yeah. one in the book. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The first page is always scary, but yeah. you just keep going. It's like for sort of forget that it's even, I don't have a thing with the first or last page. It is always gratifying to put the put it up on my shelf, like add another to the stack. That mm-hmm. is that is satisfying. And put my little date stamp on it. I have like a little system where I put the dates on the cover so that when I want to try and look back for something, I, I can find it. And I love, you talk about this in your Skillshare class, um, when you talk about, you know, the types of things you can draw. And I don't know if you touch on this in your new book, but for sure, people check out your Skillshare class. In, in these three approaches to documenting a day. I wonder if you can just quickly cover those. Because I think that's, when I, when I actually saw that, I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> now I have immediate kind of, I, I can now look at three different ways to consider how do I document a day. And I, would, I don't know if you can just touch on that quickly. Yeah, sure. I, I think there are so many ways. It's hard, it's hard to find even just three for that class. But those are really good go-tos. And that is just, if you sit sort of, sometimes it hits you right away. And you're like, this is it. This is, this is all I want to draw today. Sometimes it's just a matter of what you want to draw, right? And if you write a little bit about it, you can tell your future self why and what, what was going on and sort of why, you want, why that moment was you know, worthy of a whole page or whatever. Um, and so the first one is that is just like this hero image, you know, just one thing that speaks to you your whole day that has like a, you know, like so many other things happen in any given day, but this was the thing, or this is the thing I passed. And this was the moment with my son when we looked over and, or whatever, you know, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And there's a story there for with, with everything. And then the other one was just the roadmap idea where you just start in the corner and you just draw little things with arrows sort of leading you through from the beginning of the day to the end. And that's really fun when, you just want to sort of track. It's almost like this kind of bullet journal idea where you track all the little things and check off your list. It's like, it's gratifying, it's satisfying that way, you know? Mm-hmm. 
um, it's almost like a visual list of everything that you did. And it's sort of like, for me, it like harkens back to like childhood and, you know, when you would have like these visual illustrated diagrams. I love that. So there's that. And then the third one was actual physical things from your day that you can then assemble and collage that whole idea I was talking about, about the last chapter of mm-hmm. my book of like building and collaging, like actually like, you know, the business card that you got at the restaurant, you went, you know, you grab a business card or, or pull, pull apart the paper on the matchbook or whatever, you know, you take from a, an event, a ticket stub, um, a program from a show or wrapping paper. If you, un- if, it, if you unwrapped a gift or if you gave a gift, you know, anything that's like flat and physical that you can then just sort of play with and then paint around and collage. Um, so those were the three things that we did in the Skillshare class. And, but there's so many more and there are more in the book in, in draw your world. So that's a good teaser. Yeah. <laughs> so I, like I, I was looking at that and I, you know, there's this whole urban sketcher movement and that can really apply to um, the kind of work that you do. And I suspect what's in this book, right? If someone's looking at trying to do there's plein a, air kind of. Yes. Yeah. There's a plein air urban sketching section as well. That's in there too. It's got it all. That's awesome. There's something for everyone. <laughs> do not pass um, by this book and not buy it. <laughs> Yeah, urban sketching and and plein air is big. It's a that that's huge for if you think about the idea of draw your world, you know. So it had to go in, had to be in there. I've talked about this with, with so many artists, especially urban sketchers. Do you look back at the at the book that you've done in various countries, and do you look at some of the work you've done, and does does it evoke kind of the smells and the sounds and the experience, uh, how does that impact you versus a photograph? Oh, that's interesting. Well, I think definitely it would evoke more of the senses because you're putting so much more of yourself into these, in, into this work, you know, a picture, a picture takes a second to take, right? But if we are sitting with something and really looking at it, which is, which is one of the things that I think, you know, you and I talked about in the very, when we first met today, Mm-hmm. if you really sit with something and look at it, which I think is essential to drawing, seeing and looking is you have built a whole other relationship. So you have more time to absorb all these other senses and feelings about it. And so I would, I'm at, you know, I, I never even thought about it that way, but in my experience, it's very totally different as far as bringing back memories than when I look through my sketchbook. It, the sketchbook brings back a whole slew of a world of memories in a different way. You know, that's a great question. That's awesome. That's a, uh, I think that's the value we have um, in not our, not only ourselves, but the people around us and being able to document some of this stuff. And I've seen people even do it in a, in a book, like in a paperback is just drawing something on the pages on top of the text. And yes. Uh, writing it yes, that way. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. And that's a really great way of um, sort of upcycling, reusing something that you might right, might be recycling or getting rid of, you know. Right. And it's not beautiful. precious. It's it's been read mm-hmm. multiple multiple times. Uh, yep. you're just you're just adding something special to it. So I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. I like yeah, I know I love it when I see that. I think there are people who teach that, right? They sort of teach 
I haven't explored that, but now I feel like I have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've seen it many times. It is beautiful. I've never done that, but I don't know. I don't, I never tear out or sort of, I was told you never deface a book. You never, you know, respect your books. So I, I, I have, but I have no problem other, with other people doing it. I just haven't done it yet. I don't think, yeah, I'm not sure I would tear the page out as much as just draw in it. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. maybe the, the, the title of the book or the content of the book serves as a bit of a theme for what you're drawing on the pages. I don't know. I think that'd be kind of fun. Maybe yeah, that's, that's your next book. Yeah, that's a very cool idea. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. So I want to ask you a question that I hear from so many artists, and I don't know if you run into this. Like, what happens on those days when things aren't clicking? Like, it's just... Mm. You want to draw and you or you you picked up your kit and you're you're heading out and you've got like three hours and it's not a it's not COVID time, so you're sitting in a coffee shop and you're like, okay, and then it just dies. And and you've gotten that far, so you've put the time into it and then it doesn't work for you. Are there any tricks or tips that you would have for people to kind of, you know, dig down and, and find that motivation or inspiration to create? Well, if you need motivation to create, that's very different than figuring out what to draw. Okay, so let's so, so so maybe answer yeah, so maybe address it from those two elements because I think it's good that you highlight that because I think there is a difference between the two. Um mm-hmm. but yeah. it could be that you've had, you know, there's maybe you've partially found your voice. So there's things that you normally draw but you're just not into it because this really bad thing happened yesterday and I didn't start the morning out right and I'm just feeling really down right now and I just I don't want to bother um, mm. yeah, like, I don't know if you have suggestions around that versus what you want to draw, which is probably addressed in the book. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that, that the, those moments need to be carefully soothed and taken care of, right? We have to take care of ourselves in those moments because figuring out what to draw or saying, you know, oh, what am I going to do? And I don't know. I just don't feel like it right now. That's okay to be in that place, Right. When I get in that place, that's when I don't really draw, draw, you know, like literally draw. That's when I just start to play and start to just, you know, tear up. I have a collage box and I just sort of start tearing up papers and I stick some down and I see what flows and I play with the composition then. And I, I just, and then something comes from it, you know, something always comes from it. And it's always gratifying and it's just a totally different expression for me. So I would say that, I mean, there are so many ways to create and draw and, and get out your feelings, right? And sometimes, and I'm, I've talked about this in the kids book, and I think it speaks to adults as well. You know, sometimes you just want to scribble out your feelings. You should just do that. Yeah, honor that. Say, you know, this is where I am in this moment. What am I going to put down to represent this? And because sometimes you know, like, okay, if I'm in this state and I'm in this mood and I'm going to, you know, and I want to draw my kid, which is one of the hardest things for me, that's one of the hardest things to do is to like draw somebody I love. Right. Right. I can draw a stranger easier because I don't really care if it looks just like them or whatever. I don't get so attached, but that's, that's one of the most, and you know, I just know like, this is not the moment for me to do that. I can't do that today. (laughs) I'm not up for that challenge. It's going to be too hard for me. It's going to be frustrating and painful. And why would I do that to myself? Can I ask you, so, if you were to draw your son or one of your sons or, or your husband, would you would you be precious about the paper that you used? No. Okay. Not the paper. No. No. I, 
that's an interesting thing in my my personal approach to all of this is I really don't have any like I don't want to take out that perfect piece of paper and put it in front of me and like glue it to a board and make it be precious. I I can't I can't handle that That's stress because I'm not going to frame it. I'm not going to frame it on our wall. I know that. I'm not going to give it to them. This is for me, you know. This is part of my everyday practice. It's going in these books. Someday I hope to escape the book and create a series outside of the books. And that's another story. But whenever I'm drawing my kids, it's part of this practice. It's part of like where they are today, where I am today in my skill level and my practice. It's going in these books. So that's just me. That's how I approach all of it. Um, Yeah. You know, I have to say that one of the things I've been looking forward to, and and I mean when I say this, is after this COVID stuff, flattened out a little bit what i'm looking forward to most is going to one of those restaurants that has a kid's menu and the little crayon pet packs and i just want to get one of those flip it over where there's the better canvas and draw with crayons in a restaurant yeah (laughs) it could just be so fun to do that again that's what i miss most that's why i want to go out for dinner is to be able to do that Um, because i think you know changing the medium as you were saying moving you know from drawing to collage or something else is maybe even enough to free yourself um, from where you are, and if you haven't done collage before, that's a really fascinating experience. Is to if you're if you're caught up in your painting or your drawing and it's just not coming to you, try something different. And I'm leading yeah, myself to my next question for you. Yeah, is there anything that you haven't tried that you would like to try next creatively? There's so many things. Yeah, there's so many things, and I do want to eventually get out of my sketchbook and and create something more. I do create. The, I. I have a and I don't share it much anymore but if you dig back in my Instagram and on my Pinterest and everything you'll see that I painted on leaves for a few mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. Um, and there that's abstract painting and um, those were like temporary art it was sort of working with like nature the things always leaves that fell to the ground I never picked them off the trees and I still have them and sell them and and I love that and I did a ceramic collaboration with a friend and we made ceramic versions. And so I, I want to, I want to get more into that. I want to make more art. Yeah. I, I would love to do like a series of work that is more along those lines. And, you know, I, I love that. I almost find that the, the skills I have drawing and the way that I've honed those skills, drawing something literally as I see it. And, you know, in a way that I'm proud of, is sort of just a step up. Those are like little, like path, you know, stepping stones of, of a, like a path to get that getting me somewhere else. A lot of people can draw a pair of boots. Well, you know, I did some boots the other day, my husband's mm-hmm. shoes, and I like the way they looked. I, li- I like that. I hold back a little bit. I kind of make sure that I don't try too hard because I think the looseness is, you know, really beautiful about any drawings, but a lot of people can draw boots. So what, you know, like what, what vision do I have? Like, what do I want to say? What, what do I want to do within the sketchbooks? Everything has a place because it's all part of this whole story. And it's all part of me drawing my days in my world and, you know, having, having, you know, something to look back on. So no matter what happens, all the mistakes, all the silly things, the things I'm proud of, the things I'm not proud of, they all make sense in the books. So 
my net, it's, it's sort of like, what do I want to do with it all? What, what is, what is all of this leading to? And don't know yet, but that I'm thinking is, as actually maybe some more abstract work and maybe canvases, maybe I need to pull out some, you know, I haven't done any oil painting since I was in college. I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot. I, I kind of need to get past in these two books launches and then, and then I'm, I have like a 2022, like that, that might be the year I try something really different. I'm going to ask you a question. If you choose not to answer it, it's okay. <laughs> but I'm just curious at this point in your career, and if you were to describe, or if you would people, other people were to describe you, what would they, what would you like to have them say about your creative career to this point? What would you like to be known for? Samantha is. I, I guess you're speaking more about me as an artist and as a as a make somebody who makes things or teaches. Mm-hmm. But I always just want to be a good person, you know. I just want to be kind. <laughs> uh, I want I want to be the one who's you know who thinks everyone's brilliant and talented and an artist. You know, I want that's what I want because everyone is, and I think people try too hard. You know, I think that's one of the problems with. So many people coming into an art practice and there's so much, there's room for everyone and there's so much more to be done and there's so many more approaches and, you know, to, to draw something like hyper-realistic, you know, and if that's your goal, great. But I just think everyone, everyone should, should feel free to like not have to try so hard. There's so many beautiful things. Like some of my favorite artists are not, they don't do perfect, realistic, perfect, perfect work. You know, right. I, I love the imperfections. I love the work with the quirks and have things be wonky and off. And I love that, you know? So I want people to see that. I want people to see, you know, see that they don't, to be a really beautiful artist, you don't, ha- you don't always have to try so hard. I would love to have this conversation with you in a year from now or five years from now. And uh, for you or for me, for both of us, it'd be interesting to ask you that same question again. Yeah, uh, it's a really good question. I mean, I, I don't, I just don't, I just don't think that, 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 yeah, I, I, that's a really good question. And thank you for it. Yeah. I, (laughs) it's, it's weird when you, especially for me, when I, once we had kids and they got old enough, I start thinking about that, you know, what do you want to be known for? What's your legacy going to be? Um, obviously yours is going to be a lot of wonderful sketchbooks that they were part of that they can look back on and mean so much more than a photograph to them, right? That they would remember, oh, that was the day that so-and-so got hurt or that we, <laughs> that we got a sunburn or whatever the case, right? And uh, yes, I think yeah. that's exciting. So yeah. bef- before I go into homework, okay, I want to ask you uh, another question, and that is, what's one thing you wish you knew back then, if you could tell a younger version of yourself that you know now that you would have, you know, imparted to yourself to say, do this Mm. part of your creative journey? I would say that I would probably tell myself, I mean, it sounds so cheesy, but (laughs) I would tell myself to keep an open mind because you never know where life will lead you and don't have a set plan. I think, I think when I was younger, I had this idea that you know, that I was going to do this by this age and this by this age. And then I was going to, you know, and um, 
I think that the mystery in life and like the surprises in life are just some things that are, that make life worth keeping, you know, you moving and going. And, and I would tell myself to just, you know, expect the unexpected. And I would tell myself that there are things that you think you can't do that you can do. For me, it was like, right, you know, writing a book. Never, ever. I wrote my last paper in college and I cheered because I thought I would never have to write anything again. You know, I really didn't think I could write. And I turns out I can write. And, you know, I don't know. I would. That, <laughs> that OK. <laughs> that's OK. You know, that's it's, it's actually better than OK. It's beautiful because I think, you know, I've had so many artists and everybody goes on this journey, right? You start maybe as abstract artists and then you move into realism like Robert Bateman did. Or mm-hmm. you start in realism and then you move into abstract as you advance in your career. And I'm so happy that you moved from graphic design to what you're doing now because I think this is empowering for so many people. Not that you weren't making a difference with graphic design, but to see you have the courage to be able to take all of this on through everything that else is, you know, that's happening around you in your life and being able to move this forward and write and put these books out so other people can enjoy this wonderful ability that we can develop. And I, I think that's wonderful that you're doing it, and I hope you keep doing it. Thank you. That means a lot. Because sometimes you just sit in it, and you're like, well, what am I doing? Right. But hearing people tell me how much it means to them, that is also something I never, ever, I would tell my younger self, like, you don't know the difference that you can make in someone's life. I never thought that I would be in a position where I was making a difference for people like this. And that's really so amazing. It's such a gift. And it makes, you know, I'm not the best artist. I'm not the best at doing any of this stuff. I'm just, you know, with it all combined and the ideas mixed with the practice, mixed with, you know, me being humble and 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 believing in people, you know, it, somehow it's it's like all encompasses this whole kind of beautiful thing for me and for other people. And it's, it's amazing. So I, I, I'm really happy that you said that. Thank you. Thanks. Well, I'm so glad that uh, you uh, had maybe the courage to come onto the podcast and share all of this that people may not have heard about your journey before, because I think it's been wonderful. And there's people out there who are going to say, yeah, that's me. Um, and that's going to help them move forward. So thank you so much for that. Now, the last yeah, thing thank you. that I always go into, which I think is great because people can walk away with this, you know, and they could buy your book, but I would ask them first, maybe do some homework. So can you recommend some homework for the listener in kind of moving their creative journey forward? Yeah, I have, I have something that I've done with students and I wrote about in the book that I think is, it's one, I think it's just one page of the book. It's one challenge, but I think it, it is one of the most valuable. And that is to choose a subject, whether it's just coffee cup in front of you to, you know, a whole cafe scene, to a landscape, to anything, choose your subject and sit and look, choose it carefully and look at it for a while and take, take a picture of it. Put the picture, put the picture or your phone aside and draw it from life then draw it again on a separate piece of paper without looking at what you've already done. Draw it from the photo and sort of see how that feels, drawing it from a flat photo as opposed to how, you know, drawing it. The most challenging, I think, is drawing from life. Then the photo. 
And then turn the page again or take a new piece of paper out and put it all away and draw it from memory. Mm. And I think it's really beautiful to see what happens because a lot of times you, a lot of times people enjoy the, the memory version and have fun with that version because that's when the real you can come out. That's when like your quirks and style and the uniqueness of you as an artist can shine. I love that. <laughs> I'm going to do that. I love that one. I always try and do the homework that my guests give me um, and the listener. And uh, I really like that one. I'm going to have to try that for sure. So that's that's a page in your book that... Um, Draw Your World, yep. And it's coming out in June... June 22nd. June 22nd. Okay. My father's birthday. Uh, a special day. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so where can people find you, find the book? Where can we direct people to, to find you online? Well, my website sort of has everything, and that's just okay. sdionbaker.com, S-D-I-O-N-B-A-K-E-R.com. That will have links to my social media. It has a, a There's a page um, called Books at the top and the main menu that will take you to my previous books and Draw Your World, and then you can link to the giveaway. If you enter your pre-order number, then you'll be automatically in there. and um, it also, there's a page of classes. So all the classes that I teach and I'm doing a few uh, live free classes on Michael's that are really kind of fun and playful and um, totally all level and open to worldwide. And um, Skillshare, and I have a class on a different platform, a design plat- platform that's um, my sort of hand lettering and playful typography. That's linked there. Oh, everything's there. So yeah, and my social, but my Instagram is SDM Baker Design. There's design at the end, and that is just leftover from design days. And um, I, at this point, can't get rid of it because just part of part of me. It's your <laughs> so DNA. I wish I could, but it's just there. So SDM Baker Design on Instagram. Yeah. So I will include link to your site, um, and maybe I'll include direct links to a few of those things as well, so people can. Uh, to find you online and find your book and get that pre-order in. I wanted to thank you so much, Samantha, for coming on the podcast and sharing your journey and everything that you learned, your tools, um, and just uh, being open about everything that uh, has happened to you. And And I know this is going to inspire and motivate others. And I wanted to thank you in advance for doing that because uh, this is a great story and I'm really looking forward to your book. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mike. It's been really nice to talk to you. And I wish there were, there were, there were more we could talk about, but I know that these get long. So, <laughs> Well, I th- I'm going to have to have you back. And whether it's for I know. the... the <laughs> were... um, it may be good to even ch- chat again when your, um, your book for kids comes out. It may be good to touch base then, even if uh, later this year. So I, I, yeah. I'm for sure going to reach out and have you back on because this has been a joy. Well, thank you so much. It's really great to be here. And take care of yourself. You too. Okay, bye. Bye. Show notes, including links to everything Samantha and I spoke about, can be found at drawinginspiration.fm slash 53. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, share, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This will surface the podcast for others to enjoy. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Be kind to yourself and each other, and keep drawing. 
Theme music for this podcast is Acid Jazz, provided by Kevin McLeod. 